Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast for May 24th, 2010. I'm your host, Matthew Smith. And I'm the co-host, John Zavarelli. And my name is Bob Severs. I'm the guy pressing the buttons. Okay, guys, before we get started today, we're going to take some time and go over what the Sports on Point podcast is all about. Uh, a lot of you guys are probably joining us for the first time, so we'll just take this opportunity to tell you what uh, who we are and what we're all about. That's right. We are regular guys just sitting around talking about sports. And we wanted to take, uh, take a chance on this podcast to talk to you guys about what you guys are talking about to give you hopefully a fresh perspective on the share on the stories that you guys are sharing uh, via tweets via Facebook via email however it is that you're sharing them that's right those stories don't always get the top headlines on your ESPNs and things like that so the what people are talking about that may not be the greatest news story that's what we want to talk about and we want to share that with you and I think it's good because it's something that I normally probably wouldn't talk about some of the stories that come up there. So it kind of gives us something, it kind of broadens my views on things by talking about things that I normally wouldn't pay attention to. So keep in mind, guys, when you're browsing around on ESPN.com, Yahoo Sports, SportsIllustrated.com, whatever your sports website of choice, just keep in mind that when you hit that little share button, you send it out to everybody who's following you on Twitter, everybody who's friends with you on Facebook. You're also sending that to us because we're keeping our radar uh, monitoring and we're watching for those stories you guys are sharing. So before we get started, I want to send a shout out to Bob, who gave us a little bit of feedback on our podcast last week. Bob was not really buying what we were selling with our closing arguments, but that's all right, Bob. We'll let you disagree this time. Bob hates us. I wasn't buying it either. I think great Bobs think alike. And I'm Bob from Canton, so he's a Bob from Akron. Also, I want to send a shout out to Dave Phillips. He sent us a message suggesting that we give a little bit of attention to the NBA draft lottery that happened this past week. Dave, we're going to hit that up in our main point section. Thanks for your feedback. We're going to get on to this week in sports. Now, this is a section of the show where we cover top shared stories. Those things on the internet when you're clicking that shared button, when you're putting it on your Facebook and your Twitter feeds. Starting with Monday, you can now watch UFC Live in HD on your Roku box. Matt, what do you think? Well, it looks like they got some cool interactive content uh, that they're going to be rolling out with this. You're still going to have to pay for the pay-per-views, but it sounds like it's pretty cool. If you're a hardcore UFC guy, I guess you're going to be going out there and getting yourself a Roku box. Personally, I'm happy with my Xbox. I'll just stream my Netflix and I'll uh, watch my net- watch my UFC fights the old-fashioned way. I love it. I think they're trying to get out to as many people as possible uh, i think it's good for the sport yeah you know anytime you get this uh content being able to deliver it in another format it's only it can only be good you broaden your audience all right tuesday marshall falk tells uh chris johnson of the tennessee titans he should keep holding out for more money what do you guys think john i think it's smart these running backs these days have uh, shorter and shorter careers hold out get the money yeah, he's got about $3.5 million left on a three seasons remaining on his contract. I think you got to try to get your money while you can. There's only so many years you can be a premier running back in the NFL. Moving on to Wednesday, uh, let's hear what you guys have to think about uh, Lesnar versus Carwin. It's actually kind of interesting. This is the third time they've tried to book this fight. Uh, each time in the past it's been postponed or put off for whatever reason. Looks like it might actually come down this time. Lesnar's coming back from a year-long layoff and facing an undefeated Carwin. It might be a tough win for him. I'm excited for this fight. I was 
hoping to see Frank Mir versus Lesnar for the third time, but after Carwin knocked out Lesnar or knocked out Mir, I'm excited to see Lesnar versus Carwin. Moving on to Thursday, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban expresses his interest in acquiring LeBron James. I don't think he's supposed to talk about this before the free agency, but obviously, as you'll see later in the week, he pays for it. But I don't think it bothers him. I don't think he cares about fines. He's got a lot of money, and he really doesn't care. Yeah, I think when the new NBA rulebook gets printed, there's going to be a little section in there about tampering, as I'm sure there always is. This year, there's going to be a line where they say, example given, and the headline there is going to say, Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban expresses his interest in acquiring LeBron James. Can't talk about it before July 1st. Uh, he did end up with a $100,000 fine. Moving on to Friday, Brett Favre hangs NFL future on Southern Miss Golden Eagles. This is a story from ESPN. What do you think, Matt? The Golden Eagles are going to have a lot more fans from Minnesota than they've ever had before. This uh, Brett Favre saga that's been ongoing for the last couple of years has been pretty ridiculous at times. I guess why not hedge your decision on a baseball team? I think either way he's coming back. I think he was always coming back. He just had surgery on his ankle. Uh, I forget what day it was. I think Friday. So, I mean, that pretty much says he's coming back. Moving on to Saturday. Dirk Nowitzki is expected to opt out of that contract with the Dallas Mavericks. This comes from ESPN Dallas. What do you think, John? I think it's a smart move. I mean, this is the everyone's cleared cap room, so I mean, there's going to be a lot of bidding wars going out there. I think it's a smart move for him to get max money for himself. Yeah, if I was him, I'd be doing the exact same thing. You know, there's only so many premier free agents, and there's a lot of teams that cleared cap space. He may not be a first choice, but he'll go somewhere and get a big paycheck. Finally, on Sunday, Jose Lima, the former all-star right-hander, dies at age 37 in Los Angeles of a heart attack. It's a pretty unfortunate story. Uh, Lima has a lot of friends who are still playing in the bigs. I wouldn't really be surprised if we start seeing number 17 patches or maybe showing up in uh, uh, eye black around the leagues this week. I agree. It's unfortunate to see a a player die at the age of 37. Uh, Had a decent career. He actually led the Dodgers to their first postseason win in 16 years in 2004. Uh, played most of his career with Houston, so it's definitely an unfortunate situation. Yeah, anytime you hear about things like this, your heart goes out to the fans and the family uh, involved. Moving on to our main points section. Now, this is the section where we discuss three major topics in sports this week, and these are the things that our hosts want to give their opinions on. So we're going to move on. Uh, point number one, our guys are going to break down the top ten picks in the upcoming NBA draft, starting uh, with Matt. Okay, shout out again to Dave Phillips for the suggestion, but we're just going to go through picks 1 through 10, give my take on who's going to go where, and uh, we'll break it down a little bit from there. So with the first pick, uh, the Washington Wizards have to take John Wall here. I don't really think there's any other choice. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Gilbert Arenas, move him to the two, deal him to another team. Uh, should be fun to watch. Number two, the 76ers. They're going to take Evan Turner here. Wouldn't be surprised to see a trade, though. Uh, Evan Turner kind of duplicates what they have with Drew Holiday and Ike Iguodala, so they might try to move the draft pick, Evan Turner, or one of those two guys. The New Jersey Nets are going to take DeMarcus Cousins at number three. I think they think that he's got a more NBA ready. There's a lot of talk about Derek Favors going here, but DeMarcus Cousins, just he looks like he's more ready to bang down low in the, uh, in the NBA. Minnesota at number four, they're going to take Wesley Johnson, the small forward from Syracuse. Uh, number five, Sir- or Sacramento is going to get that Derek Favors. They are going to be really excited because a lot of people think he's a top three talent. He's going to fall to Sacramento at number five. 
Uh, Golden State is going to take Ekpe Udo from Baylor. I think they like his length, they like his athletic ability, and he's got a decent mid-range jump shot. Fits really well with what Golden State looks to do. Detroit's going to try to solidify their center position with Cole Aldrich. The Los Angeles Clippers are going to go with Al Farouk Aminu from Wake Forest. And I think Utah Jazz, they're going to get a little bit of a stretch pick here. They're going to take Gordon Hayward. I have him ranked around the 15th or 16th, but I think they like what he does, and they think they'll fit him well in their, their system. And then finally, the 10th pick, Indiana Pacers. I got him going with Greg Monroe, the power forward out of Georgetown. Doesn't really feel a need that they have. They've got Troy Murphy at the power forward position. who plays pretty solid minutes. But uh, I think he's the best pay- player available, and they can't pass him up here. For the most part, I pretty much agreed with you. Um, I had Wesley Johnson is going to go one pick down. I think Minnesota is going to pick Derek Favors. And then Sacramento is going to pick up Wesley Johnson. I also have... Indiana picking up Xavier Henry at number 10 instead of them picking up Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe, he's going to be a talented player, but they've picked big in in the past couple years, and I think they can go with a shooting guard this year. I mean, I think it'll be good for them. They they got Danny Granger there now at small forward, so I think they need to load up on some guards now. We also were talking about the, the biggest disappointment and who will be the um, the best player of the top 10 for the year. Um, in my op- opinion, I think the biggest disappointment is going to be Evan Turner. I'm not buying on him. I, he turned the ball over way too much in college. He's a great player, but he needs to cut down the turnovers. As far as the best player of the top 10, I think that uh, DeMarcus Cousins is going to be the most solid player in this entire draft, I think. Um, I think he's a, a perennial uh I think he's going to be a 2010 guy uh, for years to come. So he would be my vote to win Rookie of the Year based off of pretty much blindness at this point. Okay, so I completely agree on the biggest disappointment. I think that Evan Turner is going to have a big-time turnover problem in his first year. I think he'll catch on and he'll he'll fix it after a year or two, but I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a struggle early on. My biggest impact player is going to be John Wall. I think... Obviously, that's the easy choice because he's the number one and highest touted guy going in. But I think he's going to be in a good system. I think he's got some offensive weapons with Gilbert moving to the number two. Uh, I think that uh, if he works on a floater, works on his mid-range game a little bit, he's going to be a real threat. Moving along to point number two, forget LeBron James. Where is Dirk Nowitzki going? John, what do you think? Well, all signs point that he's actually going to be opting for free agency July 1st whenever free agency goes into effect. I pretty much think that he'll probably stay with Dallas, but this gives gives a lot of speculation to you. I mean, you can think of anything out there now. You can put combinations together with him and LeBron James, possibly Pat Riley doing something to get him down in, in Miami. He could go to New Jersey, New York. A sign-and-trade. You could do a sign-and-trade LeBron James for Dirk Nowitzki to Cleveland. There's a lot of possibilities that he could go to. In all honesty, I think he's going to stay with Dallas, but I'd I'd like to see him go to New York. I'd like to say him and one of the big other the other big people go to New York. I think it'd be good for New York. Dirk has only a few years left, though. He's 31 right now, so I don't think he has too much more time left. But I mean, it just this is a big, big free agency year, and I think that he'll basically stay there. But it's good to speculate. I like speculating. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty wise for Dirk to throw his hat in the free agency uh, pool. There's pretty much three premier top free agents that are going to be available. 
there's seven teams who have significant money to throw around. Dirk is probably not going to be the top guy on anybody's list, but once, you know, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, once they pick their destinations, I could see a lot of teams scrambling for that second guy so they can justify clearing all that cap space that they cleared. I think uh, New York is the most obvious fit. I think that he would fit in really nice with D'Antoni's system. He's a he's a runner. He's a shooter. Not that uh, known for his defensive play, and that's that's Mark Dan, Mike D'Antonio in a nutshell. Ultimately, I think New York's going to need a lot more than just Dirk Nowitzki if they want to be a contender or even really a playoff team. Uh, the other option is, of course, the sign and trade. You mentioned it briefly. I think uh, I think the only way that happens is if Dirk gets sent to Cleveland or Miami, and it's a sign and trade that involves either Wade or LeBron. I don't really see any other sign and trade scenarios for him. And another thing is Cuban wants to keep Nowitzki. I mean, they've had a good working relationship for the past, what, 10 seasons. He, I think, like I said, he stays there, but it's good to speculate as far as where he can go. And I think at this point in his career, he could go and be like a sidekick, a Scottie Pippen sidekick to one of those superstars if they can get him there. All right, moving along to point number three. What is the deal in these NBA playoffs with the Boston Celtics? What do you think there, Matt? Well, I think it's kind of interesting because two months ago, the Celtics were too old. They were washed up, past their prime. Uh, everybody was talking about the Cavic, uh, the Cavaliers, the, the Orlando Magic. There was a long stretch of the season where Boston was actually playing 500 basketball. If you actually look at the team that's on the court right now, I can't really imagine that team losing every other game. It's kind of kind of blows your mind. Also, if you look at the regular season record numbers, if Boston played in the Western Conference, they may have had the Lakers in the first round. They may not even made the playoffs. They finished with the same record as the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. But something happened when the playoffs started. The Celtics kind of flipped a switch. I think it really is a testament to their mental toughness, their veteran leadership, and most importantly, I think their stifling defense is what's kind of carried them so far. Uh, Rajon Rondo, of course, there's been all the talk about how well he's been doing in the postseason, how he's really carried the team. But a lot of it comes down to the fact that he's got a lot of guys around him who've been there in the league for a long time. Everybody knows what everybody brings to the table. So when Rondo is out there, he's able to dish the ball. He's able to, to run his offense, get in the lane, make things happen because he knows where his players are going to be. He knows where he knows where Ray Allen's going to be spotting up on the three-point line or he knows where Garnett's going to be cutting into the lane. He knows what's going to happen because he's got guys who know how to come through in clutch situations so he can he can have faith and dish the ball. Something that LeBron never really had in Cleveland is a, is a teammate that he could trust. Another big thing, obviously, is is these guys are playing big in big spots. The end of games is when they're really turning everything on, and with their with their offense that's been playing lights out, their defense that's been completely stifling. They've really been able to dominate the opponents to the point where they're submitting. I mean, you've got the two best teams in the league record wise, and they both have just pretty much given up because they just can't handle what the Celtics are doing. Well, if you look back. They won the championship, obviously, in 2008. Last year, they lost in the second round against the the Magic, but they were without Kevin Garnett. You fast forward to this year, they start off 23 and five, I believe it was. They go 27 and 27 for the rest of the season. Everyone pretty much counted them out. Um, you get to the postseason, and they got on a roll. They they just destroyed the Heat. That wasn't really surprising, but one, what they did to the Cavaliers. And what they did, what they're doing to the Magic, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you have your you have your veteran leadership, like Matt said, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. They're always going to be there. They always know what to do. And now you're having a budding star in Rondo. Rondo, so far, in my opinion, is the MVP of the postseason. 
uh, be between him and Kobe Bryant. But, I mean, he's just coming into his own right now, and it's easy to do that when you have the veterans beside you. Rashid Wallace, who pretty much did nothing in the regular season, is actually stepping up. He's had a few good games. you got Big Baby Davis, who is actually, I think he's a pretty good player. A lot of people rip him, but I, I th- honestly think he's a really good player. Kendrick Perkins is stepping up, and they're right now they're just dismantling the Magic, who kind of dismantled the Cavs last year. So, th- I mean, this is a championship team. I can see this team beating the Lakers, and honestly, I can see this team beating the Lakers solidly like they did two years ago as well. Their, their defense is just... I mean, defense wins championships, and they they know where it's at, and they know how to play defense, and I think they're they're poised to win another title. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that Rondo has got to be the MVP of the playoffs so far. I think the other main point that's been pushing them has got to be their defense. They're they're game planning extremely well. They packed it in the lane against the Cavs. They didn't let LeBron create. They have been staying at home on the three-point shooters against the Magic. They're not letting them dish and shoot the outside shot. So it's been a really a testament to uh, Doc Rivers as well on his game plan that he's uh, he's been able to put together throughout the playoffs. All right, moving along to our closing arguments. This is a section where our hosts will present their closing arguments as in a court case. So it can be about anything on their mind this week. There are no rebuttals or comments allowed during this section, and you, the listener, at the end will get the chance to vote on who you think presented the best closing argument. So we're going to move along first to Matt. Matt, uh, could you introduce your closing argument first, and then uh, I'll start the timer. Okay, I'm going to talk about Floyd Landis admitting to using performance-enhancing drugs and accusing Lance Armstrong. Okay, most of you guys have probably heard this week. It's been all over the news. ESPN.com interview with Floyd Landis. He admitted to using PEDs throughout the bulk of his career. Uh, That would include the 2006 Tour de France, which Lance Armstrong won, failed a drug test, and then had his title taken away from him. If you recall back then, Landis was quick to defend himself. He took time. He went into the courtrooms. He said... There was incompetence by the French anti-doping lab. He said that there was samples that were mishandled, mislabeled, whatever. The only possible solution that he did not accept was the fact that he actually did fail the test. He spent $2 million on legal fees, a million of which he had actually raised through donations to the Floyd Fairness Fund. He's really gone back on that. He's got a lot of guys who have donated money to helping him fight for this, who were looking for an American cyclist to continue on the great American cycling tradition, uh, started by Greg LeMond and then Lance Armstrong after him. But then the problem is, after he goes back and he admits to being a liar throughout all of this, he then has to go ahead and accuse Lance Armstrong as well as several other uh, predominant cyclers of using performance enhancing drugs as well. Now this is nothing new. We've heard Lance Armstrong accused on several occasions. Every single time Lance has been the Teflon Don of cycling. He's been able to come clean on everything. No investigation has ever found anything out. So here's uh, my advice to you Floyd is that if you're going to make accusations against Lance, you know he's going to fight back. You already look bad. He's going to make you look worse. You got to come to the table with some proof. You got to come with some evidence. And if you don't, you're already lacking credibility because you've been lying for so long. If you don't have any proof, just disappear. All right, closing argument number two, we're going to get to John. My closing argument was is pretty much why is how why has MMA become so much bigger than boxing now over the last few years? Um, as I look back on it, basically I've always been like a boxing historian. I've 
look back and I really like boxing. I uh, Vander Holyfield was my favorite boxer. I followed Muhammad Ali, all the old fighters. And then I started getting into this MMA. It's a it's a lot more exciting than boxing. Boxing, you, you just got your gloves. Well, with MMA, you got martial arts. Basically, you have you can choke people out. You can make people submit armbar. Uh, you can do ankle locks. You can knock somebody out. You can kick. It's basically like it like they had in the old days with the at the Coliseum where the gladiators fought. I mean, it's a it's obviously not to the death, but it's more, a lot more exciting than boxing, in my opinion. I also think that in the past few years, boxing doesn't have a, a clear-cut American heavyweight champion. Where I mean, I, I can understand if you can get somebody who's popular. Like MMA has a lot of champions that aren't American, but with one organization, you always see that that person. They know how to market their fighters. But with boxing, it's it's not as marketable. If you don't have someone that the the people can get behind like right now I, I to be honest with you I think Klitschko's the champion he's a Russian and they, they also have five different organizations like I don't know if it's five but they know how they WBF IBF and there's like five different champions and it's just boxing is all about the money the promoters are crooked and I think that the MMA and the UFC for one have it down where it's a lot better. I mean, it's as far as more organized and better. All right. Well, this has been Sports on Point. To vote for your winning closing argument, you can send a direct tweet to our podcast at twitter.com slash sports on point. And as always, send your suggestions on how we can improve the show to feedback at sports This has been your producer, Bob. And this is John. And this is your host, Matthew Smith. We'll see you next week. See you guys. Bye.